0: In Luke's gospel this morning and hopefully as you came in maybe you got a you got a handout if not you certainly can follow along all the answers are always on the app hardenmelleychcom slash app <coughs> and uh, we want to uh, want to do that and then any of our middle school or uh, junior uh, junior age stu- uh, students you can head out to the back if you haven't already I think you already exited exited back there all right I think we got it providing <coughs> So many, uh, so many funny, uh, funny things I uh, I wanna I wanna say. I got the, I got, to, uh, I got to, uh, anybody anybody April Fool's Day. You're just and you're just so tempted to do or say something goofy. Anybody anybody here got the doofus gene? And a day like that, or right, some of you're pointing uh, at each other, each other. And uh, and so Jim McComas. Our our, our uh, we love Jim here. We love Jim. Jim's preached for us, been by, and uh, just uh, visited me in the hospital. All this, uh, he, uh, he 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 doesn't just like the Kingdom Heirs, the gospel group that sings at uh, sings at, uh, at Dollywood. I mean, he, he really loves them. He's been called on stage. Uh, they've had a guy join another group. Another guy moved out of state, and so it was all the buzz that they're they're going through a little bit of transition. I saw him uh, Saturday at the conference, and I said, I said, Jim, I'm gonna tell everybody. I'm going to tell everybody that you're joining the Kingdom Heirs. And uh, he's got a job. And you're going to join the Kingdom Heirs, and they're going to pay you in corn dogs. He said, That's great. And that is great. That is great. He said, Do it, do it, do it. And I forgot all about it. I forgot all about it and came here and, and chasing down stuff and, and grabbing things, making sure we didn't have your shingles so off. And so, and uh, anyway, so, so uh, and I, uh, and, uh, and uh, so about uh, whatever time, seven, seven eight o'clock last night, I remembered it. Uh, whenever I got home, and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna do it." And so I tagged—I mean, I tagged everybody. I made it look right, made it look right, man, and put it out there. And people are sharing it, you know, sharing it on Southern Gospel music blogs and 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 all and all this kind of stuff. And so then I got feeling really bad. Then he was like, "Man, this is great," you know. He's sending me a message. This is this is awesome. And his, and his wife's going, wife's going, I was fussing at Jim, you know. Why didn't you tell me? And uh, so anyway, so. So if you read somewhere tomorrow that Jim McComas has joined the kingdom heirs, I'm really sorry that I did that. But anyway, apparently it took off a little bit, but I think we fixed it. I went back and put April 1st and, and all those kind of things. But anyway, if your preacher if your preacher has commented on the singing news, those of you who follow that kind of thing, it was Jim was okay with it. He thought it was a great idea. But anyway, so those of you who don't follow that world, it uh, doesn't mean anything to you. But anyway, we had a little... We had a little fun with that, and, uh, and especially about getting paid in corn dogs. But I can think of a lot worse ways to get paid, amen? And uh, a good deep fried corn dog. We're going to read several verses this morning, and I hope that'll, that'll help you. Luke 23, if you're willing and able, stand as we read God's word. Pay honor to God and His word. We won't read all of these guys in the back, but we'll read a good portion. Verse 26, as they led him away, they laid hold on Simon the Cyrenian. Coming out of the country, on him they laid the cross, the patibulum the centerpiece, we would say, that he might bear it after Jesus. Best estimates, depending on if it was dry or wet, it would be 110, 150 pounds. It was certainly not like um, artists have given us the impression that they carried the whole cross. That, that's probably, and they, they never did that, 27. And there followed him a great company of people and women who also bewailed and lamented him. These are followers of Jesus, and these are professional professional mourners you go to the middle east today you will still see you will still see professional mourners who make a living dressed in black wailing screaming the more money more prestige somebody has the more wailers that are there these are intermingled verse 28 jesus turning to them said daughters of jerusalem weep not for me weep for yourselves and your children the romans are going to do something unbelievably awful and unjust to me in just a moment but they're about to come in and they're going to raise the place to the ground It's going to be so bad, verse 29. The days are coming which they'll say, blessed are the bear and the wombs that never bear and the paps never gave such. You'd be better off never giving birth to your children than to have to watch them die under the sword of the Romans. And they'll begin to say, the mountains fall on us and do the hills cover us. Nero, Nero is going to be a blight on the Jewish people. For if they do these things in a green tea, what will be done? What will be done to dry? If you think they're, if you think they're going to do this to me, what in the world they think, because they think I'm a threat, or because they think I'm a nuisance, what are they going to do to you? Because they think you're a threat. Verse thirty-two. There were also two other malefactors, criminals. They would be put to death when they were come to the place which called Calvary. There they crucified them. Malefactors, one on the right, and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, that's the Romans, for they know not what they do. And here you start to see uh, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. By the way, it's been for a minute. Coming. They parted his raiment and they cast lots. They gambled for it. The people stood beholding. The rulers also derided him. He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Messiah, if he be Christ, the chosen of God, soldiers also mocked him. Understand again. Verse 35 and 36, Luke is focused. They mistreated Jesus. They mocked Jesus. They gave him basically a bit of an analgesic just to help him. The dehydration is severe. He is no doubt. It is obvious in the shakes and the tremors, the things that are going on. And they did it as a dying man's comfort. We would read in the other Gospels, he spit it out. He went through the whole thing. Without help, verse thirty-seven. If you be the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a superscription, the superscription was written on him, uh, literally a Titus or a title. In the letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which hang railed him, If you be Christ, save yourself and us. The other answering rebuked him, saying, You fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation. We indeed justly, but we receive the due reward of our deeds. This man has done nothing amiss. Verse forty-two. We'll pause. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Pray with me, Father, help us this morning. See, hear, and obey the scriptures. Remind us again of what you've done. And, Lord, if it's been so long we've, we've forgotten, or, Lord, if we've never known, I pray that you would help us in particular. We need you, and I pray that you would help us. Help me to focus, Lord, so many things, so many distractions, so many things going on. I pray that, I pray that nothing else would, would be important in my mind than what's here. And ask you to help us I pray in your son's precious name and amen. You can be seated be seated If I say harold road. I'm trying to look around where by harold road if I say if you turn left in front of grace church and Carnes that help anybody out All right dollar trees that help a few more of you out. All right, and uh, S curve as you go down that road. I, I'm on harold road quite a bit uh, for different things cut through there and uh and, and, and for the past several years, I do this one thing all the time. I do this one thing, and I giggle every time I do it. Anybody in here get tickled at yourself when you're by yourself? It's kind of embarrassing, but anyway, it is what it is. And, and I'll be going along, and as soon as you come by, there's a bank on the left, and then there's the La Petite Academy. La Petite Academy, which I'm assuming is for children. And uh, maybe for small people, but anyway, I think it's for children. And people are coming in there, and everybody who comes in there is running late. Is running late. Two wheels, spinning in, spinning out. Sometimes the kids don't even, they don't even get to stop the car. They just slow down. You see the kids roll out. And, and, and come by, come by. I mean, I am, in, I am in fight or flight mode whenever I'm by there, early in the morning, late in the afternoon, because I know parents are just squealing in there, squealing in there doing some things off. But if you're driving and you're sort of paying attention, you will see La Petite Academy. And then you will see an obedience school for dogs. And you will see giant uh, paw prints. And then you will see the words training, obedience, and grooming. And if I'm not really paying attention, I will see La Petite Academy grooming <laughs> and training and obedience. And I'll see it as one thing. And I'm thinking. Man, that is a multi-purpose building. <laughs> and, and, and every now and then, if I'm not real careful, I'll go, what are they doing to those children over there anyway? I understand I understand taking care of them, but what, what, do, what do they have to do with the grooming? with the grooming? If it's coming backwards, I didn't have because I can't see it. I can just see the up here to the cabin. But I'll see that, and I'll get the wrong picture. I will misunderstand. I will experience what some of us call an optical illusion. I will not see what's there. I'll see what my mind's telling me is there. I, uh, uh, Even though we are close in proximity to, to Pigeon Forge and to Gatlinburg, I've listened to many of you, and, and we're not up there much, particularly during peak season. And if we're up there, it's typically somebody's in town, that have called us and said, hey, we want to have dinner or something, so we'll, we'll ride up there. We had some, uh, we had several friends come into town back in February. And they said, we want to go to the comedy barn. Have you been? I said, we've never been. I said, we want to go. We want to go. And there was enough of us, and... And somebody, somebody got us all tickets and said, well, you want to go, and it's free? I said, uh, yeah, yeah, it's free. I'll be glad to go. And, uh, and so, and so we're, we're up there, and it, and it never been. We hadn't seen some of these folks in a while. We're catching up and exchanging stories. And, uh, and so we'd go, and there's an intermission. An intermission. An intermission means food, right? And so we go out, we go out, and I'm and I'm talking. There's a couple of us, all of us are in ministry, and, and we're there and, and we're chit-chatting. And the one guy I'm talking to is, is tight. He's not frugal. He's tight. As in his wife says, Can I get a soda and popcorn? And and he wants to describe to her how long ago it was that she ate. Anybody, anybody know people like that? You know, and I've heard this, I've heard this all afternoon, him giving her grief. And, uh, and and I've got some cash on me, and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make a friend with his wife, and, and I'm gonna have a little dig at him, have a little dig at him. She's wearing a jean jacket, a jean jacket, and a and a and a, and a colored t-shirt, and a blonde hair uh, about about her uh, about the shoulder length, and so we're in line, and I go to the restroom, come back out, and I start talking to her, and I say, listen, I know your husband's no good and lousy. But whatever you want, I'll buy it, and we won't worry what he says. And my friend turns around, looks at her, looks at me and says, that's not my wife. <laughs> and I apparently, somewhere, there's a lady who went to the comedy barn several months ago who I made a pass at and, uh, and was very friendly to. At this point, by the way, my cheap type friend, man, falls on almost on the ground, it's Ronald Davis, and uh, falls on the ground Falls on the ground. It's the funniest thing ever. He's going, man, if I'd known you were going to do that, I sure videoed that. By the way, thank the Lord the woman either didn't hear me or ignored me or whatever. Thought I was talking to somebody else. She just kept on moving. I came back. I just said, where's my popcorn and drink? I said, no. Amen. And it can't happen. It just can't happen. If we're not real careful, if we're not real careful, we go, man, Jesus cross, and that's nice. We're so funny about it. We've turned it into jewelry and decoration. We 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 really, we really have 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 moved some things around. I'm not saying you should never wear a cross or anything like that. I'm just, we we're good at sort of kind of seeing things, or misremembering things. We're good, we're bad at that. And when you're looking at the cross here, looking at the cross particularly here, in Luke's gospel, Luke 23. I want to I remind us a few things. I want to help us. I don't have a lot of points this morning, a lot of, uh, a lot of things I want to cover. But, but I do want to offer you a fresh, perhaps, look at that. I contend that the Son of God is broken, was broken to save broken sinners. I suggest to you that Jesus' cross demands a decision. It demands a decision. So just a couple of ideas here. A couple of ideas here. I want to focus on his cross. I want to focus on the crossroads that lead to that and then what happens there at the cross, if you would. If you would, you're you're in the scriptures there. You're in the scripture. (coughs) Pardon me. Pardon me. Go back, if you would. Go back, if you would, to verse 33. And when they came to the place which is called Calvary, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. Luke doesn't take as much time with it. He just simply announces crucifixion. Everyone who read it understands that we do not get it as often. truth of the matter is I've been walking just to this point. I've been saying every time Jesus experienced one of the wounds that a human body can have, I've tried to point it out. I've given them to you here so you can have a record of them. And as you read back through this, maybe in your devotional time, maybe as you take a few moments this week to pause as Passion Week and Holy Week is upon us here. The, he, experienced all the, he experienced, first of all, the contusion. The contusion. This is a wound by a blunt object. This was prophesied, Micah chapter five, verse number one. We read about it, Matthew twenty-seven. We understand it from John eighteen twenty-two, where they took the palm of their hand. Many of you, if you ever been in a fist fight? maybe when you're younger or something, you understand you put your thumb inside of that, you can break your hand. Truth of the matter is, you fight like this, even for a long period of time, you'll begin to hurt your hand. So the Roman soldiers are taking special training, and they understood that if you would come up with the palm of your hand and an upward thrust, you could provide maximum damage and still be able to retain the use of your hand, not break any fingers. When it says they buffeted him... That's what they did. The heel of their hand, their training, defenseless individual, and they hit him. Isaiah says they beat him so hard that he didn't look like a man. His face is so swollen. His eyes are so puffed out. He is so, the fluid and in, in the, in the, in the healing process has tried to begin and to protect him, and he is now all of a sudden gargantuanly disfigured. By the way, He'll do part of that trial that way, is they beat him there at the Sanhedrin. He experiences contusion. He experiences laceration. This is the tearing instrument. This is what would happen in the scourging. We read about that this morning in our, in our verse. By his stripes, we are healed. You read about it, Matthew 27 in particular, in John chapter 19. There was two kinds and we and we get them intermingled here. There was a pre-crucifixion scourging that sometimes was done basically as a way to tune him up. That was not what was ordered here. Pilate ordered the scourging. We read about, or excuse me, we hear about folks saying, well, Jesus is beaten 40 stripes, save one or 39. That was always for Roman citizens. There's no prohibition against anything having to do with Jewish people. If Jesus was only beaten 39 times. Then he was beaten 39 times because somebody called him to stop or because they felt merciful, but it wasn't because they had to. The reality is they probably would have done it until they were tired. Scourging was almost always a form of execution. It was not you were scourged and then taken somewhere else. Scourging usually did it. Jesus has been up. He's been beaten. He's going to be scourged. I've, I've, uh, there's some movies that have been made I've, I've never taken the time to see I've been to a lot of passion plays I've been to some that were fairly graphic there, there's no amount of graphicness can really grab what's going on here Jesus would have been, a, been brought to basically this executioner squad more than likely a four man team at the very least he would, have had his, he would have had his hands tied together to a pole like you would set a tent stake <coughs> excuse me, or you would or you would play play tether ball and he would be suspended like this. They would have put a loop around each leg and they would have pulled him. So the end result would have been that he was completely outstretched and taut. They would have had equal access to his face, his front, his back, his sides. If he had on any clothes that was incidental or accidental, most likely he would have been this would have happened while he was naked. They've been completely scourged. Asubius writes about the people who ended up surviving crucifixion to be ghosts of themselves. The beating, as they began to commence, would knock the teeth out, usually. It would occasionally grab around the eye socket. It was not uncommon if they survived. They were blind and unable to eat, and they would be gasping for their last breath. the days that they were still alive as their throat had been ripped open. These cords, these cat-of-nine-tails, the Scripture would call them, would have weighted balls, pieces of glass, pieces of rock. The person in charge of this was was instructed to provide maximum pain. He would whip it. He would cast cast those nine straps and strands, and they would lock in. And like you would set a hook on a fish, he would catch, and then he would begin to strip, peel, flay the flesh off a person. Front, back, up and down. Face, neck, side. One time was enough. He was beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten. French painter, seventeen, late 1700, early 1800s, painted Jesus as a Caucasian fellow, very soft hands, long flowing hair. <coughs> Aside from Jesus was nothing like that. Jesus was absolutely a man's man. He went through that and still went on to Calvary. Time after time, if mercifully it was only 39, Jesus would have been, if you would please, like he had just been in the most horrendous automobile accident you can imagine, ejected through the front glass on the pavement and the sidewalk. The executioners were known for their cruelty. Sometimes, as they would expose the stomach, they would grab the entrails and pull them out and play a game. How many steps could the prisoner take in putting his own organs back in before he fell over? They scourged him. You read it quickly. For hundreds of years, everyone who read that recoiled and knew exactly what had been done to him. They lacerated him. They abrased. He suffered an abrasion. After all that has been done to Christ, they will put the middle part, the patibulum, on his back in that 110, 150 pound weight, and he'll start to go. Can you imagine just the thought? People touch you when you are sunburnt. People touch you when you have any type of eczema going, on, and You recoil in heart. His back is laid bare. His nerves are exposed. And they put that rough-hewn wood, and he's got to make the journey up the mountain with everything scraping against him, not the least of which is pilot picks up the dirty robe off the floor. It puts it on there. Any clotting that's going to happen, they will rip that off and resume all of that. Number four, he suffers the penetration the crown of thorns. I really need to find some. Every time I, I get to these passages, I, I, I look for them, and I can't, I've just got to make my effort. I've held the Palestinian thorns in my hands. They're inch to inch thick. Truth of the matter is, I thought they were like any other thorns. When I picked them up, they actually pierced my thumb, and I bled right there in the service that I was at. When they placed them, the word is f- the word is so, com- is so, uh, uh, so uh, uh, deceptive says they placed it on his head. They impaled him. By the way, they impaled that face that was swollen after it had been beaten. Penetration. Matthew 27, John 19, number five there. The perforation. The perforation. Christ was crucified. What they do? <coughs> what they do? I'm not sure. I I have a number of books on biblical crucifixion, Roman crucifixion. Did they, was was the the long piece there and then they brought the shorter one, the patibulum, they tied it. They did it all while it was on the ground. (coughs) I can make a pretty good case for that. They took the ropes, they lowered it in the ground. Some even some more modern authorship says they put them in the ground and secured them then they hoisted Christ up again, that idea of a team of people doing this crucifixion. And and, and then while his shoulders were already out of joint, then they nailed the spikes through. <coughs> Greek world, Roman world, anything from the tip of your finger to your elbow, more than likely they weren't put through the palms of the hands, they would have ripped right through, they probably put them right through his wrist. And they did this. It, in one sense, it makes no sense, it makes no difference whether he was hoisted up or whether they... Put him on the ground and then and then raise the, the cross. Uh, I know four or five of you have had carpal tunnel surgery. That that spasm, that cramping, that having to do this exercise to stretch that out. Spikes going right there. He will convulse and contract. For the remainder of the time he's on the cross. His nerves will scream at him for release. And all he can do is wildly grab his hand. They will on purpose dislocate his shoulders when they put him in like this. And in every time that he has to breathe, he will push on the perforation. He will push on the spikes. Because drowning in his own fluids is now unbelievably common. And he will push where the spike is through his ankles, and he will push where the flesh is ripping around his, his uh, wrist, and every nerve in his body is screaming at this point. And he will do that every time he wants to breathe for the next six hours. And the final is the incision. the hypocritical Jews, you can't let him be up there on our holy day. So go kill those three guys. They break they break the legs of the other two, which is going to cause them to asphyxiate in your own fluid because they can no longer exhale. By the way, they let them drown in their own fluid. And they get to Jesus and they see He's already dead. And for meanness, for spite, they take the Roman spear. They come up. Best I can tell, they would come in from the right side. They come under the rib cage. And they said, and they pierce. They pierce again the pericardial sac around His heart, basically, basically your shock absorber, that's there. If you've ever seen a boxer take a hit like this, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's a problem. The football player. Same same kind of thing that your heart is meant to, not meant to suffer trauma, direct trauma like that. So there, that is there, and they come up under and said the Bible says the blood and water right now. They pierced the pericardial sac. We talk about his cross. We talk about Easter. That's what we're talking about. We're not even looking at the spiritual side of this now. This is what he did. When you and I, when you and I sing about the cross, there ought to be a cheer in one side of our face and a tear in the other. That's what he did for mankind's sin. That's what he did for you. That's what he did for me. There's the cross of Christ. There's a second. Are you still with me? There's the crossroads. There's a the crossroads. This cross wasn't built for Jesus. This cross was built for Barabbas. Remember, they swapped prisoners. It always stands to reason that Barabbas and his co-conspirators are here. Whether these are part of these people or not, these people were found so guilty, and the two guys seemingly know each other, and they are here. What kind of life leads you to Roman execution? I say it incorrectly sometimes. I've heard other preachers, we get in a big way. This is not the worst way anybody's ever thought of how to die. This was the worst way the Romans and the Persians had ever figured out how to die. And I would just say it gives a rival to a whole lot of things today. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew they weren't fooling around, they meant business. And you have, again, apparently strong, healthy people on the cross in absolute agony brought them here what brought them here what brought them to the point where they are in this shape by the way you ever you ever you ever heard somebody say that man i just don't know how i got here i don't know how i didn't mean to do this i didn't i didn't mean to be addicted to this i didn't mean to i didn't mean to ever get here i didn't mean to break everybody's heart i i I didn't mean to be this way i i never meant to be at this point in my life you would think it would be nothing but regret, but you've got one who's not regretful, and you've got one who's plentiful regretful. People say, "Man, you know, well, I'll get right with God on my deathbed." I can give you Exhibit A. There is nothing in His life He's trying to get right with. He wants everybody to be mad and mean with Him. Just because you get older doesn't mean you'll get any more spirit's true The matter is, just as you get older, you may get more hard to the heart, hard to the things of God. What brought him here? Brought them here. I suggest to you a lifetime of sin brought these guys here, wrong choices. And now there's looming judgment. People would talk to me, uh, w- well-meaning people. R- really, not even here. People I knew from from other places. <laughs> they would they would say, "Man, I know you're really upset about you being sick." I'm like, and uh, you know, <laughs> you're gonna die and all and I, was, I was like, I was like, I always know I was gonna die. I said, I'm just kind of cheesed off. It's going to be 48, you know, instead of 60. I've always, always had that, you know. Uh, you know, It's just the timing of the things, timing. I, I know how I might die, or I'm probably going to die. And, and, and these guys are here, and there's no guessing anymore. They're absolutely positively. In the next two or three days, again, they're going to come in because of the holy day, and they're going to break their legs. But usually it would take two, three, four days to agonizingly die. And this is it. This is it. There's no more hugs. There's no more lemonade cups. There's no more meals. There's no more no more time with a girlfriend. There's no more watching my daughter grow up. There's no more of that. They are completely at the crossroads. Not for nothing, everybody around them is at the crossroads. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Is he the Messiah? Is he worth following? Are you going to scatter like the disciples? I don't know who he is. There's an absolute crossroad. And finally, and this is going the land. There's the crossroads at the cross. In all of Luke's gospel, I think this is one of the most dramatic. One guy says, one criminal, Hey, save us! And the other guy takes precious life, precious breath. <gasps> what are you doing? Don't you know who this is? We are here and rightly so, but this man has done nothing. <gasps> the anger of the rage. Anybody here, when you're in pain, you're angry, you're mad, you're hard to get along with they are following following a uh, volleying back and forth at one another you there in the text verse 42 lord remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus said truly verily i say in verse 43 today you will be with me in paradise It was about the sixth hour. There was a darkness over all the earth till the ninth sun was dark, and the veil of the temple rent in two. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice, said, Father, in your hands I commend my spirit. Having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He tried to murder him. Jesus took, and no one took his life. He laid it down for us. Verse 47. When the centurion, the captain, the one overseeing the bursing cell that was done, he glorified, This was a righteous man and all the people came together beholding things that were done smote their breasts and returned typical jewish hey this was really something and they leave verse 49 all his acquaintances and the women that were following for Galilee stood afar off beholding their things it is an unbelievable set of crossroads i've mentioned it a few times how jesus dealt with judas you sure one do this judas Are you sure you want to do this, Judas? Not everybody here is clean. One who puts his hand in the dish. I know what you're. Do you want to do this, Judas? Pilate, the Sanhedrin, religious leaders, soldiers. Jesus is reaching out to everyone he misses with the exception of Herod Antipas. Again, my contention is that the Holy Spirit was done dealing with him. He never says a word to him. And he can save both men. He can save everybody there. And you got two guys who know death is on the horizon. Lord, remember what's he doing? What's he doing? I'm a sinner. And we all both, de- we both deserve this. But not you. I know who you are. Remember me. Remember me. The other. Get us off this cross. I'm in misery. One guy changed my circumstances. Another guy changed my life. One guy, I need temporary relief. Another guy, I deserve what's coming to me. I'm sorry it's happening to you, Lord. And Jesus says, you'll be with me. By the way, if you've asked Christ to save you from your sins and put your faith and trust in him, guess what you've heard? You're going to be with me. You're going to be with me. Notice he didn't fix anything in his life. He's still going to die. He'll never be apart from Jesus again. There's a crossroads there. May I offer you? May I offer you here three ideas. I'm, I'm done. At the cross, we see brokenness meet grace. I don't know where we started giving the idea man, if you get all your ducks in a row. Get all your ducks in a row and get your life cleaned up and pour out all the alcohol and get rid of all the pills and all you know and, and and you know and delete all your browser history. I don't I don't know where we've ever said you have the power to change your life. Then once your life is changed, then you come to God. No, you come to God and God changes your life. Somebody say amen to that. And brokenness meets grace. Can you be more broken than totally naked on a cross and everybody looking at you? And you are dead to rights and about to just be dead. Jesus, have mercy on me. Remember me. Brokenness meets grace. Don't forget, it was their last opportunity. And it's our only opportunity. By that I mean, there's nowhere else to go. You've got the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. I'd remind you that if you keep putting it off, and you got friends and family keep putting it off, they don't have any clue how many more opportunities they have. They live another thirty years, and their hearts stay hard to the gospel. I always, I've said it, I said it so much, I kind of became my own meme, so I had to stop saying. Big brawny guy, I'm not scared of. Big brawny woman, not real scared of. Somebody who looks at me and says, "I know the Bible says that, comma, but I'm scared of that person. I know God said it, and He's Almighty, and the Holy Spirit's convicting me of it, but I'm just going to do my own thing anyway." He was feet away from Jesus and died, went to a devil's hell. And the other guy was feet away from Jesus. And he stood with him in paradise, unworthy, experiencing the grace of God in a broken life. Why do we push hard at Easter? Why do we rejoice at Easter? Because God in his grace met our brokenness. God in his grace gave us the opportunity. And God in his grace reminds us there is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. You will not earn it, you will not deserve it. It is through his precious shed blood, his death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross and his resurrection in the grave, and that grave, and that is the hope that we have, if any hope we have at all. Otherwise, Paul said we are of all men most miserable. There's the crossroads. There's the crossroads at the cross. Would you pray with me? There's so much I want to say, but just for time's sake. And there's so much in my heart in my mind, so many things, so many details here that are interesting and, and necessary, or, but not necessary this morning. I wonder, I wonder today. Wonder this morning. Wonder if you're like me.